This is an interview with Nick Cade of Rawway on Saturday, October 23rd, 2021 by Nick Perkel. I've been wanting to do the Mohawk for a long time, but I had the, the long hair for like 10 years or whatever. And like, you know, it's just every time I brought up the Mohawk, they're like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And then I was like, you know what? They said no. So that means do it. <laughs> you know? yeah. Fuck yeah. And now, you know, we did our last show with Puddle of Mud and it was like, it was insane. You know, like people were just coming up to me. They were like bypassing everyone else. And I was just like totally not used to that because usually people walk right by me to go right to Dave, our guitarist. So it's like it's like crazy now that they're all flocking to me. And I'm like, finally getting the recognition I need. <laughs> now, uh, Nick, can you give me an introduction on yourself? Yep. Um, all right. So here we go. My name is Nick Hade, and I'm the front man of Rawway, Slumlords of New Jersey. Now, can you tell me about some of the schooling you've had when it comes to vocal coaching and singing techniques that are valuable for yourself as a singer in Rawway? All right, so, well, I went to Monmouth University and was taught to sing classically by a man named Dr. Tripold, who originally came from Westminster. Um, I also took courses with Ron Frangipani, who wrote that song, Sugar Sugar, and also took songwriting classes with Mark Moeller, the guitarist for Shania Twain. Um, as far as techniques I've learned, I would say the, the most important technique I picked up along the way is the way that I scream sing. Like, I close off my throat just enough that I don't injure myself, but I still get that full effect. But that's not something I could really teach to someone else. Like, that, that was pretty much all experience there. Now, how does your experience being an Eagle Scout change your viewpoint on how to go about your time as an active recording and touring artist? It's actually kind of funny because, like, my experience as you know, as an Eagle Scout, kind of acts as a check to myself. You know, I get real crazy sometimes, and but I always know where the line is because of where I came from. So, like, doing all the Eagle Scout stuff, you know, being trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, you know, all that stuff. It's like, you know, in my mind, uh, there's like this level of respect I generally have for people, and I always, I always give respect to people before I expect it back. Because I know that if I give them respect, I know they already have it and they could give it back, you know. But, I mean, I do get really crazy sometimes, you know, especially on, you know, on stage or after a show, you know, like once I get off stage, you know, there's a lot of people that come up, like, yo, let me buy you a beer, yo, hit this, hit this bowl, you know, da 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 And, like, I just make sure that I always, I don't get too carried away. You know, that's kind of what being, you know, the Eagle Scout background, you know, kind of does for me. If you could do a duet with any singer, living or dead, who would you pick and why? Uh, see, that's a tough call for me because, you know, it's kind of between Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, and Lil Peep. Um, they all have unique sounds, and I feel like I feel a lot of their songs deep, you know. And, and I've always looked up to Chris Cornell and, and uh, Chester Bennington since I was little, like since I was a kid. You know, I remember seeing uh, Linkin Park at Summer Sanitarium 2003 with Metallica and all that. I remember seeing Chris Cornell at Monmouth University. And, you know, it's this only a few years back, though, I discovered Lil Peep and people find it funny that I like Peep so much. But his entire style is like a giant middle finger to the music world. And I love that. I just absolutely love that. It's, it's like kind of like the same reason, like I, I like being in Rawway because, I mean, I could be in a lot of other bands that sound like the stuff you hear on Octane all the time. 
you know, but Rawway has like this element to it that is it's literally raw. Like we get on stage and I'm like, you know, thank you all for coming out. I'm the Cade of, you know, the Rawway, uh, you know, giving it to you the raw fucking way and all that stuff. And we really are raw, you know, like we're not we're not throwing in like backing sounds. The only time we ever have like a sound playing is like if we come in with an intro, you know, something silly on, on stage or whatever. But, you know, I mean, we're always down to try new stuff out, but that's kind of our thing since Steven Tyler, you know, kind of name the band you know now your, your singing style really reminds me of early 2000s josh todd did you do anything special to warm up to record the slum lords ep Nah, we're raw way man we do everything raw dude there was there's no warm-up it was pretty much just rehearsal songs and you know in the rehearsal studio you know try some of them live to see what the response was you know in case you you know if people don't respond to it you might not you might as well not record it because if people aren't moving to it then you Kind of, eh. um, and then pretty much schedule with Mike Orlando of Adrenaline Mob to hit the studio, and then just go beast mode in the studio. Now, personally, for you, what's more influential, the LA or the Detroit glam scene, or the Swedish sleaze metal scene? Uh, you're asking the wrong member of Rawway that question. I mean, I was raised in the Disturbed Godsmack era, so like the closest I get to probably what you're talking about is like GNR or something. You know, like I can't even. I can't even follow what you're asking, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, because the guys in Broadway, you know, they're, they were raised in a different era of music than I was, so that's where we don't really, I mean, we meet in the middle, but, you know, our tastes are different, but that's the thing about Broadway Special is that, you know, we, we see through that, we meet in the middle, and that's how we come up with our music and kind of make this, this interesting blend, you know? Now, the song, Only the Strong, it sounds like you wrote that about personal experience, Tell me the story. So Only the Strong, uh, it, it does have some personal experience to it, but I can't really come out and say it's specifically about one person. It's pretty much a song about the reason why people shouldn't talk shit, because there are people that don't run their mouth that will really fuck you up. And you know what? I've met quite a few, and that's why I don't talk shit that I can't back up. You know, so a lot of people are out there nowadays in the music scene, you know, just running their mouths or they're doing videos with like guns in it and like talking so much shit. And I'm just I'm listening to this and I'm like, yo, some of these kids nowadays don't know what they're doing. Like they're going to get ran up on it. And I've heard some stories and seen some, uh, you know, some IG posts of people actually getting, you know, called out on their shit that they're talking and. You know, it, it's just it's it's really it's really crazy because, you know, back in the day, like like when I was younger, you know, I was always taught like, yo, there's there's like a code, you know, like, you know, it's like you look up to certain tough people because, you know, they will really mess. They will really fuck you up, you know, like they're not playing, you know, but there's a lot of kids out there that don't like that are like keyboard warriors that are just getting this you know, uh, I don't know, like weird confidence from somewhere thinking they can just run around and say what they want to say, like no one's going to actually call them out. And then, you know, when someone does, it's like, oh, my God, let me run to the cops. Let me, you know, oh, my God, mom, dad, you know, it's like, yo, like realize what you're saying. You know, that's why that's why I usually just try to keep my mouth shut. And I, I don't mess with anybody. You know, I've come I've, I've met a lot of people in my lifetime. And, you know, I know a lot of people got guns. I know a lot of people do MMA. I mean, even I've I do some martial arts myself, you know, it's like, you know, you don't know, you can never, uh, don't ever underestimate anybody nowadays, because you don't know who's going to whoop your ass, you know. Now, I noticed in recent interviews, you speak about a new EP on the horizon, and you jokingly title it Section 8. 
Can you throw out some of the song titles and tell me a little bit about uh, the more finished songs? Well, first I'll say I had nothing to do with naming that section eight. I don't even know if I might even have to talk to him and say, hey, I don't know if that's a good idea. You know, nowadays people are, are so crazy. You know, I mean, then again, I mean, we're not really a rich group of people, but, you know, it, it, you know, I don't really know about that. I try to keep things PC, so I don't, you know, like I said in my last comment, you know, I don't like to talk shit, you know, and I don't know. I'll probably talk to him about that Section 8, uh, eight kind of title, but uh, as far as the song titles, um, we got a song called Drowning. Um, it's it's going to be a sick one. We, we played it out uh, a couple weeks ago in uh, Lancaster at the Ice Nine Kills show. Um and uh, a couple other places, it, that seems to get a really, really good response. It's kind of about, um, I guess it could relate to a lot of people as the song goes in um, about you feeling like you're the star of your own movie. You know, you, you thought you were this rock star and everything, but then you realize because you're so like conceited kind of, I mean, it's different for everybody. You can, you can take what you want from the song when you hear it, but in my mind, when I'm singing this, it's kind of about this person who thought they were the shit, you know, they went through their life thinking they're the star of their own movie, not realizing they're just an extra or a side character, you know, like, and, and they end up at the end finding out that they're all alone because they were just so arrogant and into themselves. They didn't, you know, share with others and, and, and be there for others and be part of a community, you know, so um, that's that's drowning. Uh, we got this song called Carry You where it's pretty much always about that that one person, you know, you're always going around, and you're always picking up after them, you're always helping them out, and it's kind of like the same shit over and over again, and it's like, eventually you kind of get fed up, and it's like, yo, it's like, well, you, you, want, you need me to carry you? Carry you again? You know, okay, I'll carry you, you know, carry these, you know, like, it's, it just, you kind of, that's, that's kind of what carry you is about. Um, we got this song called You Ought to Know. Um, it's kind of like a, a slower ballad, uh, it, it's kind of in a weird key for me to sing, um, cause like, I don't know, it just sits weird. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it's about like all the things that you want to like tell this girl, you know, um, thing like, I don't know, you, you'll see when that one comes out. I'll let you guys, if you know, figure out what you want to take away from that song. But, uh, then we have a, I'd say an experimental track called Cats Away and it's a dance track. I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's something a lot different than than our uh, our other tracks. Um, it it's pretty much about when the cat's away, the mice will play, you know, and we're gonna get rowdy and, and just go crazy. It's just uh, you're gonna have to wait until these come out to really form an opinion on your own, though, because I mean a lot of Rawways music is based on the listener and how what they take away from it. It's not necessarily just us, you know, kind of saying oh this song is about this and this song is about that you know you take away what you want from it we don't necessarily write with just one intention in mind you know now what are your three rarest albums in your music collection hmm um i mean i've got an original tape of guns and rose appetite for destruction but that's like pretty much the only rare album i guess i mean you'd have I don't really know what you mean by like rare. I mean, if you're talking like vinyls and stuff, like I don't have vinyls, but I mean, if you're, you know, that's what do you what do you mean by like what's the rarest album? I don't know, like some cool stuff in my collection. I got like say uh, the '88 uh, self-titled pressing of uh, Rigor Mortis um, on Capitol Records. Uh, like 
Japanese vinyl of the 87 Death Angel album, The Ultraviolence. Um, I don't know, just interesting rarities like foreign pressings, things of that nature. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have anything like that. You know, I was all, I was, uh, I was never really big on like actually collecting like rare pieces like that. I was just really, it was all about the music. Like I always needed music for my, for every like theme and era of my life. You know, if I'm flying down the road, you know, I might have Pennywise on. I might have, you know, Rise Against on. I might have, you know, you, who knows what on but like it kind of sets the mood for everything that i've done you know whether i was in high school or college or i was at parties or you know whatever like you know i i didn't really like i don't really actually have much time to sit around and like you know like kind of, I, it, I just wasn't interested you know mm -hmm. i was just always out looking for like excitement and, and action you know but uh yeah, it is what it is. That's where I. That's where I'm at now. I'm still looking for the excitement and action, you know. And sometimes I'm bringing it. Now, what's your most cherished musical possession? My pedal board. Uh, it, it's either my pedal board or my uh, my guitar. I got a MH1000 ESP LTD. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much my pedal board. That's my my bread and butter right there. You know, when I go when I go to different venues and everything, a lot of times they'll try to give me their mics. Or if they have wireless mics or whatever, I'm just like, nope, nope, and nope. You don't want me touching your mic. You don't want me messing with your mic because I'm going to flip the mic. I'm going to do crazy stuff with it. If it gets destroyed, don't want to hear it. So I bring my own stuff. Um, I got my, my Shure wireless set up. I got that run into a compressor. So if I get too loud, it brings me down. If I'm, if I'm trying to whisper something, it makes it loud enough for you to hear um, and then I have that go to anti-feedback so I can run around the stage. I can flip my mic and all that, and it's not going to point at a speaker and cause, like, you know, some crazy noise to come at the, the listeners in the audience. So, you know, that's why I, I think ahead because, um, you know, I care about the people that listen to my music, you know, or my band's music. So, uh, you know, I obviously want to give them a good show, and I want to make it something more than just, um, you know, like it, a lot of people, will you'll, you'll go to their shows and you'll see um, – it's like as if you're just playing the CD, you know, like they're they're like so on point with their music, but like it doesn't feel like a show, you know, it just feels like someone playing a CD loud as hell at a venue, you know, I like to do weird stuff, you know, like I might, I might be like on the very edge of the stage about to fall off and stuff, but, you know, and like just pull it back, people are like, oh shit, is he gonna fall, you know, or like I'll just start headbanging, do whatever, you know, but the thing that helps me do that is like having this pedal board and knowing that my sound has already been dialed in, you know, uh, before it even hits, you know, the board, the the mixer, you know, it's kind of like that's like extra confidence for me as well. You know, knowing that, you know, I mean, I don't really put a lot of effects on because the guys that are mixing the sound, um, they usually have an issue with that and every place is different. So but as but as far as having like, you know, my compression and knowing that I can flip this mic and if I bust it, it's mine. I don't have to worry about paying somebody back or worrying about somebody else's um, you know, equipment. You know, that's that's something that gives me like a little little piece of confidence when I'm actually performing, you know, aside from like, you know, obviously we have like a road crew, um, you know, Terry, Tim, all these guys, you know, Riv, um, they're like me like extended members of Rawway, you know, and like it's just, uh, you know, the, the pedal board definitely is probably one of my my most prized musical possessions. Your favorite urban legend or ghost story from the tri-state area? Um, I'd probably say, um, uh, back when I, when I was younger, when, when I was doing the whole scouting thing, um, you know, we went camping at Gettysburg and there were some, some weird things that happened. Um, 
one of the one of the um, scout troops or whatever, they had been walking somewhere, and there was like this guy who looked like a, a you know one of the the uh, Civil War reenactment guys. And he's walking the line, and he looks to one of the kids. He's like, yo, hold. He's like, can you hold this? I got to fix something real quick. So he puts something in this kid's hand, and the kid looks at it, and then he looks back, and the guy's gone. And they and they, um, they dated. Apparently what they put in his hand was like these old school muskets, like the, the balls and everything, and they dated all the way back to that time period. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Then I heard another story that they were playing. the kids were playing um, hide-and-seek in uh, Devil's Den, and somebody found a skull. And I was like, all right, that's crazy. But what personally happened? happened to me is when i was camping there um at nighttime we went out to the field there was like about 30 of us 30 of the kids we all snuck out i mean we're come on like we just left the parents behind everything we were just like snuck out late as hell at night and uh we went out to the field and as we started to walk up to the field we saw like the hill all of a sudden on like you could see on the top of the hill these silhouettes the horses and cannons and all sorts of stuff there was so many that there's no way that they had that many people able to like show up that early in the morning and do this reenactment stuff you know it's not like somebody was waiting around for us to like come and check it out you know like it was crazy and they all started running at us like this this giant silhouette patch you know uh you know maybe it was you know group hysteria or something but we ran back we got the parents and you know like oh you gotta see this we just got chased by you know horses and guys and all sorts of stuff you know all that shit and you know so parents came back but i by then there was there wasn't anything left but like seeing that and knowing that all the other kids saw the same shit we were seeing we're like yo this is crazy you know but uh yes yeah, that's, that's kind of the closest i got to that one now would you like to go back to any questions mm, not really no nah, no nah, i think i'm good final words final words well I'd say my final words are for everybody listening. I just want to say thank you all for checking out this interview. I'm Nick Hade of Raw Way, giving it to you the raw fucking way. Thank you. This has been an interview with Nick Hade of Raw Way on Saturday, October 23rd, 2021 by Nick Perkett.